Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Mandy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. I'd like to call him Colts linebacker, but I'm not quite sure there has uh, been a positional change. Maybe we call him fullback right now. Out of that backfield offensively for the Colts, Zaire Franklin joins us. Hello, Zaire. How you doing? How you guys doing today? When they called that play and you got to run out there and be in that backfield, the part of the offense, how juiced were you? I was moment. actually, I actually, honestly, I was actually cool, man. It was just like how we practice, you know, go out there, you know, just checking in with the O line. I was uh, trying to make sure they, they was the O line kept yelling at me, telling me I needed to report eligible with the ref. So I reported with the ref, and I guess the ref looked at me, was like, "What you reporting for?" And I was like, "All right, well, never mind. I'll just shut up and get in the huddle." Like the entire offensive line. Yeah, everybody was just yelling. Out. I'm just trying to make sure I don't get no penalty or nothing. So, um, but no, nah, it was good. Definitely mad fun. I, look, I told Shane, now look, man, you gotta give a dog a bone now, sooner or later. Well, <laughs> that's the reason I want to have you on because <laughs> yeah, my assumption is, I hear that there's more than just one play with you in that offensive playbook right now, isn't there? Hey man, look, we gotta keep that under wraps. You know, we can't give out, you know, any behind enemy lines. Uh, you know, they might be listening, but uh, hopefully so soon. Is it uh, in your mind? Is there a dream in there of you being able to uh, take a snap, or the snap goes, you get the ball, or maybe a pass play, something very exotic offensively? Is that a dream of yours? Well, we uh we got a competition on uh, turnovers in the linebacker room. Uh, one point for forced fumble interception, fumble recovery, um, you know, that type of thing. T- a touchdown is considered two points. Um, so I told those guys, I was like, if I score an offensive touchdown, that's got to be 10 points. Like, I got yeah. that's got to be like a landslide lead in the uh, linebacker competition. So hopefully I get to, you know, take off on those boys soon. The other linebackers jealous? We got some jealousy work in there? No, nah, ain't no jealousy, but I definitely think everybody trying to put their bid in. There's a lot, <laughs> lot of extra uh, handshakes and hugs for Shane uh, throughout the building. This week, so. How did Zaire Franklin joins us, Colts fullback. How did this whole situation come to light? Um, how, how were you approached about being in the backfield for a play? Um, well, actually, I was, uh, it's funny, I was just joking with the offense as they were coming out of meeting, like, oh, yeah, I'm with y'all this week. And then they all were just like, oh, yeah, whatever. And I guess they had just met about it. Um, so then we were, I walked into the defensive meeting room, and Shane followed along, and he was like, hey, yo, you're up on offense this week. But I thought originally that he was just joking with us. Like, I thought he was he just, like, jumped in on the joke late. And then he was like, "No, I'm serious. Like you up, and I'm I'm still laughing with him. Like, no, I need to I need to pass." And he like, "Yeah, okay, soon, but you got to block." And I'm just like, "Okay." Um, and then after we had meetings, defensive meetings, when a uh, tight ends coach, Coach Manning, actually pulled me out of meetings and showed me the play, I'm like, "Oh, y'all was serious. Like, I'm actually <laughs> on offense this week." So. Uh, but it, yeah, it ended up working out for the best. Josiah Franklin of the Colts, the linebacker slash fullbacks on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So I'm trying to squeeze out if there are other plays in the playbook from you right now. And I know you're not going to tell me. I probably should stop. But uh, is there a progression? Do you have to show that? you're out there and mistake-free and maybe there's a progression to where you get your opportunity sometime down the road. Is that your hope? 
Yeah, you know, some type of double reverse pass, oh, green, uh, fumble ruski, um, you know, some some of those sorts. Uh, we we cooking it up now. I love it. I love the the exotic play right there, putting <laughs> you back there. I, sure. I we were all surprised up in the press box a little bit. I mean, it, surprised, nicely surprised, but surprised. It's cool to hear that you were cool and calm and collected during that. So <laughs> I was really just worried I was going to jump outside. So that's really what I was most scared about. <laughs> yeah, Josiah Franklin, the linebacker, joins us defensively. Where do you feel you guys are? And I was talking about this before you popped on here. Um, it, it, closing games. And, and you guys close the game, certainly up front, against Tampa Bay last weekend. Where do you feel this defense is right now as you enter the stretch run of the season and in prime position playoff-wise in the AFC? No question. Uh, yeah, I feel like we're a defense on the rise. You know, I feel like we, you know, we face some adversity in the middle of the season, as most teams do. And I just love how our unit respond. I love how the young guys in our unit respond. I feel like our D line is just humming right now, man. You know, when you got those boys up front hunting like that, obviously uh, Samson with the game ender. Um, but you know, obviously, you know, Buck is the one leading the charge, making play at the play um, on every down. Um, and when you got those those boys humming like that, with Grove coming back soon next week, man, it's, uh, it's special. It makes everybody's job easier on the field. So, man, I think you know with those guys just they're trending the right. We're trending the right way, um, and I think that's where you want to be at this point in the season. You mentioned too, without Grover Stewart, listen, we can sit here and say, man, it's difficult just by watching it. But how much of a presence is he, and how noticeable has that presence been without him on the field with you guys recently? Man, it's uh, it's definitely different. And I would say something I noticed last year when uh, Kenny was out, you know, it's just a lot of things when you're playing with great players, one thing you don't really realize until they're not there is just the respect that comes with their game. Like teams won't run certain plays against us because Kenny is out there because they know if you throw that out there, Kenny's going, whoop, whoop, go make a TFL. You might pick it. You might, you know, they won't do certain things. And the same thing is with Grove. Like with Grove in there, they won't even try certain things because it's like we can't do this because nobody could block him. You know what I mean? So now it's just kind of just understanding, you know, the different, you know, things that he was taking up just by his presence. So uh, it's definitely felt. um, But I do love how our young guys have responded to Eric Johnson, Tommy, um, and Taven. You know, I think with those extra reps, I think it definitely just helped the depth of of our D-line. And I think, you know, with those boys playing the way they're playing right now, adding Grove back fresh to that mix is going to be special. Zaya Franklin of the Colts on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How often do you know the play that's coming at you defensively (laughs) a decent amount believe it or not i mean but the funny thing is is like i feel like i'm right 70 percent of the time but when i'm wrong (laughs) is it egregious when you're wrong (laughs) i'm I'm just way wrong (laughs) i'm about to yelling power 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 and they pass the ball everybody z you said i'm like my fucking but no i mean look film study obviously my relationship with the coaches they you know great with uh you know giving me tips throughout the week um and then, you know, just familiarity at this point. You know, we played against a lot of these guys, know a lot of these tendencies, know where a lot of guys like to attack us. Sometimes it's players not play. So just trying to get a feel for the game as the game goes along. Now, what's the greatest um, advice you've received on trying to, just beyond the film, I guess, trying to find mm-hmm. a an offense's tendency? Well, I would say, um, and I actually got this from Mike Mitch when he uh, was a player here, so shout out to Coach Mitch. But uh, he said,
said, you watch film to make plays. Um, so when you're watching film, you're watching, you know, I'm watching Fred, I'm watching C.J. Mosley, I'm watching, you know, other guys at my position that make plays. I'm watching to see the plays that they're making. I'm also watching to see the different things that I could take advantage of. Like, you don't want to just watch film. I don't want to learn their offense, you know, because right. I'm not running it. You know, I'm watching it to figure out, you know, two or three different plays where I feel like, okay, if they line up in this, I know I could take advantage of that. Um, and, and just those little tips just help you play fast. How um you watch other other defenses uh, other defenses and other players at your position correct too and how they play these teams you're playing offensively you watch a lot yeah. of that on film yeah I mean yeah for sure you definitely you know it's and, and guys you know four down front three yeah. linebacker type you know those type of systems people with similar systems usually get attacked in similar ways so. Yeah, well, I just um, it, it, it seems like so. How egregiously wrong have you been? <laughs> just out of curiosity, I, I, I've been I've been wrong, but I'd have been super right before too, where oh, everybody yeah. just beat me to the play. I'm like, man, I wanted that TFL Dio. Now Dio just jumping and making <laughs> seven yard TFLs and stuff. So it'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, though, you, you can you can see the the switch flipped with him. Can you not yeah. right now the way that he's playing? Yeah, man. I, and I think it's just, you know, when you got young players like that, you know, it's like success breeds that confidence. You know, when you when you have a three-sack game, you start to just be able to build on that force and fumbles, you know, just kind of always around the ball. You know, that type of play just builds on itself. And um, you could just definitely see, you know, him starting to play. And, and the, beautiful, the beautiful part about that, especially with the D-line, it starts to open up for other guys. You know, now you're starting to lean a little more dial. Guess what? That frees up Buck more. Guess what? You, you let Buck get off, now Samson goes. And it's just... On and on and on and on. So um, everybody's happy that Dio's killing it. You um, it, it's, it's funny. I, and Zaire Franklin joins us. You guys are in, firmly in the playoff picture, seven seed wild card as of right now. You pay attention to that stuff at all, or is it like what your coach says? We just concentrate on who's next. In this case, being Tennessee. I mean, I feel like you know, from my position, you can't like help but just kind of see it. Like, okay, you know, we're in a playoff position or whatever. But it's just I've been in this league long enough. I know it's just it's way too early to be, you know, counting the chickens before they hatch. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we've been in the situations before. Um, where it's, and it's, I think at this point, you know, it's just best to just focus on one game at a time. But I think the best thing about it is is just understanding that we control our own destiny, and that's just the position that you always want to be. Um, you know, we got a, another tough, you know, road game coming up and against a divisional opponent that's very familiar with us. We're very familiar with them. So at the end of the day, um, all that stuff is cool, but we just got to focus on this week. Well, they've had your number uh, with Tennessee, both here and then down there until you got them earlier this season. What's interesting, I think, about Tennessee this year is they're an offer away from home, but still in Nashville. That's a 4-1 and one team at home that you're talking about facing Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, Coach Rabel, um, obviously, you know, he's a veteran coach, knows a lot about this league, man. And, um, you know, he always got he always got those guys ready to play. Um, so we just understand what we, type of team we'll be facing, the type of energy we'll be facing. But we'll be sure to set the tone come Sunday. It's Isaiah Franklin with us. I mean, you've been out of habit. A lot of Ryan Tannehill this and a lot of Ryan Tannehill that. And now you got a rookie quarterback in there. Hasn't seen much time, not a lot of tape of Will Levis out there. What have you noticed about him leading this offense as a rookie to this point? 
Well, I'll just say the arm talent is definitely there. Um, you know, he's he's able to make all the throws down the field, throws a pretty ball, um, and he's not afraid to take his shots. And um, I think, you know, that's just kind of something that comes with, you know, a young quarterback. You know, they don't have the battle scars that Tannehill had, you know what I mean? So he's willing to take those shots and, and willing to put the ball, you know, um, in his receiver's hands down the field. And that's just something that we just got to be prepared for. Um, but we understand that the main priority is uh, 22 in the backfield. So Zaire Franklin with us. Uh... Um, being professional is job number one. There's no question. But you have these personal relationships that are are strong bonds with you. How difficult was last week with Shaquille's situation for you and the rest of that locker room, especially defensively? Uh, I would just say, you know, just for me personally, uh, you know, it was just it was just different. You know, I mean, it kind of like it was an off week. It was, I was telling uh, one of the young. Uh, uh, Shay Goon, I was telling him, like, man, this was the longest week of my career. Just just different, you know what I mean? Just the small things that you just, I guess you don't take for granted. You don't really think about um, when a guy, you've been with a guy for so long, you know, we came in together. So just, that was just kind of the biggest adjustment for me. Um, and, you know, we definitely, you know, care for him and care about him. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, I told the guys before the game, like, as much as it hurt, look, we got to focus on the guys that's in this circle right now. And um, these are the guys we got to go to war with. Did you know he was going to the game? Uh, I yeah, I did, I did, I didn't know he was going to be at the game. Yeah, that I thought that that was pretty cool. I did. I did the, the thank you video and then the fact that that he was there to watch. I did. I thought that was pretty cool. It's, it was it was a moment unlike that I've and I've seen a lot of these games. You know, for many years now. I don't know if I've ever seen anything certainly live like that, but uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything televised like that. It was just a very original moment. I thought. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm gonna be honest. I'm a little sensitive. I, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. I'd have been. I'd have been a little I, too mad. But dude, I said the same I, thing on I, Monday. There's no but, damn way I'd yeah, show I'd up. Like pissed, if, if this place got rid of me, I'd, I there's no way. Seriously. Yeah, but I, I, I. But I was happy that you know he was able to get his flowers and be honored the way you know he yeah. deserved. Uh, you know, just considering everything he did for the organization. Hey, on the other side of things, Zaire, you had a teammate make a play in Ronnie Harrison Jr. with the mm-hmm. uh, the pick what'd you think about that moment for him well he ain't no he's not no rookie you know yeah. what i mean he's not he's not, no, he's, he's, not yeah, he's been around he, the, he's been yeah. around enough but still a pretty cool moment given the circumstances too oh no question you know first game in a new position um i told him i'm like look man i got your back out here i trust me I, i'm with you and um just for him to be out there to make that big play you know in that moment kind of kicked a whole lot of things off get that turnover we go get a touchdown three and out after that it was just like man like i think it was just the, the kick started a whole momentum of the game to, to kind of get things going in our favor so Zaire Franklin with us. A couple more things I'll let you go. I was talking to uh, our friend, the Gorman, Jeffrey Gorman, last night because I knew you were going to come on the show. And I was going to ask him, what's your thought on his his leadership with this Colts team? And he said, there is nobody like you on either side of the football in that locker room on this team. You are the leader. What brings that quality out in you? To, to play that role, to accept that role, to be not just the defensive leader, but a team leader in general? Um, well, um, to be honest with you, I just I really just care about my teammates, man. I ain't going to lie to you. Um, that's why um, I love the game. I, I just really appreciate all the guys here. 
Um, I tell people all the time, I'm, I'm the team hype man. I am the biggest fan of every single person on our team, and I just try to be there and support all our guys, you know, any way I possibly can, whether that's, you know, going out and turning up with Josh, you know, after he make a big play or, you know, talking to guys or trying to, you know, help motivate or talk them through, you know, a tough game that they had. Um, I just, whatever I can do to just kind of help support the guys because I just understand what it's like to be on both sides. You know, I know what it's like to be a guy, um, you know, the 50th guy on the roster who's just trying to make sure you're active every week all, all the way up into, you know, the guy going out there for coin toss. And I just try to treat everybody alike and um, just try to support everybody the best way I can. Do, do you think that that, and, and you don't know because you haven't been in the, you know, you know first round draft selection situation, but do you think it, it makes it more gratifying in, in what you're going through right now because of how you had to work to get to where you are right now? I'm not suggesting nobody else works hard, but you yeah. know what? I mean, those that are the chosen ones compared to the ones that really they have to work to get absolutely everything to get a spot and then get to where you are right now. Is that, you think, more gratifying for you because you went through that? Well, actually, it's actually funny. I was just telling somebody this other day. I'm like, I got to start showing more love to my first, second, and third round boys because I, I do love, I do love my first round team. I, I tell Q all the time. Every time I talk publicly, he's gonna think I hate him. I love Q so much, but uh, no, nah, I mean those guys earned that right. You know, what I mean, you earned the right to be a first rounder. You earned the right to be a day one, day two guy by the work that you put in. You know, whether it was college or you know the pedigree or you know God given talent. Honestly, so it's just that's what it is. But um, I would just say for me personally, um, just just for my journey, man, I, I was talking to somebody, I think I was talking to Paris Campbell actually yesterday, but we were just talking about adversity and um, just kind of the different things that you go through and the losses and the lessons that you go through in your career and on your journey and how they just kind of harden you, how they just strengthen you and um, they just empower you to be able to fight and fight and take on bigger challenges um, going down the road. So uh, when I just think about the different things that I had to go through to get to where I'm at today in the league, uh, I, I wouldn't change it at all. And I'm uh, just truly appreciative for it all because I feel like that's just what makes me me you're fortified because of your path yeah. and and I like like I'm from a very small town in southern Indiana and I always wanted to be doing this and I got to do this and you know you have to work your way through and you know and, 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 and do a lot of things that you wouldn't normally have to do if you were just kind of placed here and I've always felt that that it does fortify you even even more uh, to look back and go wow you know I got through all that um, that's that's pretty gratifying. And I, I was assuming in a similar fashion, you probably, through how you've worked to get to where you are right now, have, have felt in a similar fashion. It, it is a pretty good feeling. It is. No, it definitely is. And like you said, it's just – it's the crazy thing is, is like when you were going through all those times, it was like you could see the now then, you know what yeah. I mean? So I feel like that's just the kind of the thing, you know, it's always like, I, I always see people say like, you know, I'm not prov- I'm not proving anybody wrong, I'm proving myself right. So it's just kind of like in those moments when you were going through those things, the only reason, well, one of the main ways you got through that stuff was just believing who you were supposed to be, believing that you were capable of being something greater than you are at that time. So it's just kind of like, you know, the end goal, or not even the end goal, but the the, the success that kind of comes along with the perseverance, um, just kind of justifies everything that you went through. Yeah, and you embrace it to a point too, because you also realize that could it, it could end in a minute. I mean, no in an absolute minute, you have no idea, and that's yeah. that's for a lot of us right here. And I'm assuming you embrace it even more because of that, yeah. don't you? 
no question. Definitely do. Can't ever take it for granted and just super thankful. Like I be telling people all the time, I just I'm I just I'm still thankful that I get to go out and play every play. Like I, I and that's why I feel like I play so hard. I support all my guys because I just I remember what it was like. I remember being on the field and and leaving the game and not even getting my picture taken because I didn't play enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like stuff like that. Like it's just small things that you know we I feel like now you know it could be taken for granted, but you just never forget where you came from. So now you're you're top of the the hill in, in linebackers, you know, top of the hill in defensive players throughout the NFL. Have have you changed at all since those <laughs> moments? Have you changed? I wouldn't think so. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. You know, I feel like, you know, I got a great village around me. Um, you know, my family, my fiance, my best friends. Uh obviously EJ keeps me grounded for sure too. So uh <laughs> How's he do that? What's he say to you to keep you grounded? Me and EJ both hold each other accountable because if I if I don't hold EJ accountable, EJ get out of hand. So um, <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's definitely a back and forth for sure. I I wanna ask you one more thing, I'm gonna let you go. Um Zaire Franklin joins us. When he got that hit out of bounds penalty uh, going back a couple of months, did you hold him accountable for that? At that oh, moment, course. I mean, I mean, not in that. I mean, I'm, I'm not the type of guy. You know, I'm not going to beat you while you down. Everybody's already yelling. Everybody's mad, and I know he's pissed. Like I know in that moment, he he didn't want to do that. He wouldn't want to. He would never do nothing purposely to hurt the team. You know what I mean? But also understand how he feels. So it's just kind of like, all right. Like what I told him was like, look, EJ, you owe us one. You know what I mean? We, look, you gave up a play. Now we got we you got to get us one back. And he made up for it with a fourth quarter, third down PBU um, that helps in at the overtime. So, do you guys give each other crap for maybe a mistake or something during games? Still, uh, yeah, all the time. I mean, all the time. I mean, but that's what that's what makes it fun. You yeah. know, so if you if you if you can't laugh at yourself, if you can't laugh at each other, you're taking it too serious. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's just a game. We out here on Sundays playing on national television in a game that we always dream to play. And if you can't laugh at yourself for making a mistake, you know, and just be able to move on from it, um, you already lost. The hype man right there. You're like the Michael Bivens of the Colts right there uh, from <laughs> Bell Biv DeVoe. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely uh, Johnny Gill of the group. Oh, don't, wait don't a minute. Do like, don't do me like that. That's because you don't think do you me can. Like that. I'm you, definitely the lead. Don't do that. You think you can sing then? That's I definitely what, can. I'm, I'm definitely oh, oh, no, no, no. Because, well, I mean, I, I'm assuming that my audience knows who Johnny Gill is. And I if, hope they I, do. We I, need to educate. You might need to drop that my, my, my on them just so they know. You know oh, what I mean? Come man, on. We I can, can't be Bobby. Bobby's too crazy. I can't be Bobby. Bobby. You know, Johnny Gill's been on here a couple of different times because I'm a, oh, I'm a huge, Gill. huge fan of Johnny. Oh, Actually, all those guys. I think everybody, Bobby hasn't been on here because nobody can track him down long enough to get him yeah. on here. But, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so and you're and you're right in terms of Michael Bivens. Michael Bivens is the hype guy and the clapping and the dancing and the occasional rapping, but he doesn't do much singing. So that's nah, where nah, you're, nah, you're nah, different. Nah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Hey, uh, give everybody over there a big thank you for me. I always love having you on here. Go out and get it in Nashville on Sundays, Zaire. We'll do it again soon. Yes, sir. Great talking to you. There, right, back at you, Zaire Franklin is a good dude. In case you did not know, right there. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from the Indianapolis Star, Kyle Neddenrip, he does join us. Was last night your first night, real first night of boys' high school basketball this year? It was my second night, uh, but yeah, okay. I mean. Uh, where'd you go last night? Uh, last night I went to Franklin Central, uh, Lawrence Central. Okay. At, at Franklin Central, but I did see North Central in uh, Brownsburg also last week, but but I had a lot of football stuff going on. So, but yeah, this felt like last night was kind of the full, you know, back to, back to hoops again. 
I was um I was going over to play in the West Gym as people were coming out of the Vandy at Center Grove last night, and uh, I think uh, Coach Moss and the gang and Coach Armstrong uh, put it on the CGers at both varsity levels last night. They did. They got the sweep uh, coming out of there, so that'll make uh, you know the Johnson County tournament pretty interesting, I think. But that was a little bit of a surprise, I would say, uh, on the boys' side with uh, what Center Grove's done to this point and kind of what we knew what they what they had. But you know, also knowing, uh, I think Coach Moss knew you know what they had coming in too with Micah Davis and that group and. I was able to watch a little bit of that online, but uh, he can yeah, coach. He, he he can he can flat yeah. coach. He can. He can. You know, obviously, uh, you know, he's got a connection there at Franklin, and uh, you know, I think a lot of excitement when he was hired there, and then right away they had a lot of success in the tournament anyway. But but yeah, now they're uh, kind of this this team is is probably built to to make a run here if uh, things go right and fall into place. And this has got to be a really good confidence boost for them to beat Center Grove early in the year. Center Grove, I think, was, you know, depending on the poll you looked at, they were top five in the state in 4A. So, for whatever that's worth at this point in the year, that's still a a really good win for Franklin. And the uh, varsity girls, Mike Armstrong, who's been coaching girls basketball for 785 years. So yes, <laughs> yeah, I covered Mike. Uh, they played last year in the in the sectional. I had a chance to talk to him a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, obviously he's he's done a great job for a long time, and uh, and then they they really had you know at least last year I know shot the three really well. That's kind of what they were they were known for. But uh, good to see Mike still coaching. I'm glad he's still still doing it, and and obviously is has done it for a long time and and knows what he's doing but good to see he's He's got howard ely's i think sitting next to him too so Mm -hmm. it seems like old times of perry township days down there but now he can he can flat coach too and and they have a lot of time i see him when they host like on a saturday or a sunday and my daughter is playing i give him as much crap as possible so just the way that it is (laughs) Well, good. Uh, I'm sure he. I'm sure he appreciates. That. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that he does. I, um, among the teams that we were talking about and those others around here, what's the expectation? Um, who Who do you believe out of the gate is is going to be the best when things are over with around here? Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those years. It's kind of the opposite of last year, where we we kind of knew going into it. You know, that senior class last year, a lot of those guys had played. You know, since they were sophomores. Then this this year's class is a little bit different, where you have some of those guys, but you know, a lot of different players now. And a lot of this twenty twenty five class, which is juniors, is very deep. Uh, the twenty twenty four class maybe not as deep. And then you lose, you know, a guy like Catchings going to. Uh, uh, out of out of the state and Harrelson obviously leaving Fisher, so you, you lost a little bit of talent off the top end. But but I would say you know even even those two teams, Fishers and Brownsburg, that lost a lot of talent are still right up there. I'd say probably the team you know the team that I've been putting number one in my our Fab 15 and in my you know when I vote for the AP was Lawrence North. They're uh, they are really loaded and added a uh, a big man inside who I haven't seen him yet with their school team. They've only played one game and it was out of state, but uh, they play Brownstown central on Saturday at the uh, uh, sneakers for Santa event at Brownsburg. And that should be a fantastic game. Uh, but Lawrence North's got, you know, really good guard play uh, Xavier Robinson, who's, you know, has offers from IU Notre Dame and several others. And, you know, they just have a really deep, um, you know, good shooting team too. So, you, you know, you can't just zone them and, you know, so I think they've got a lot of good pieces. But like I said, Brownsburg, Fishers, you know, those teams are good. You know, Ben Davis, I don't think you can forget about with, 
you know, even though they've had a lot of changes uh, to graduation, you know, um, you know, to their situation, then they were playing football, so they didn't have Zachary for their first game, but. But you know, when Westfield beat Kokomo, so you know that's that's another team I think to look out for with uh, with what they've got. And then Cathedral's really young, uh, almost an entirely different team. But I know a coach, a uh, coach Jason Delaney, really likes that group too. So they have a guy named Brady Kaler, uh, who's a junior, who's who's off to a really good start too. So you know, Attics, I think Attics North Central, Noblesville. There's a lot of you know a lot of teams I think that. Uh, you know, could emerge this year. You don't have that 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 uh, Ben Davis type team from last year, maybe, but a lot of really good teams, and a, I think quite a bit of parity at the top. But if I was to pick right now, I'd, I'd probably put Lawrence North uh, right up there uh, at the top. And then I saw Lawrence Central last night. Those teams will play, you know, that annual uh, Lawrence Township game next Wednesday. Uh, that's always a packed house. That'll be at LC this year uh, next week. So uh, that's always a fun one in December to kind of. Yeah, that that's when you officially know basketball season's here yeah. when those two teams square off. I love the diversity of the attic schedule. Have you checked that out? It's <laughs> you go you go like North Central they lost, um I think it was last night. Was that last night when they lost to North Central, I think? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they get you get Cinder Grove, you get Warren, you got uh L C Allen, you've got Brownsburg, Ben Davis, and, and then you also have Eminence on it. <laughs> which is wow. it's, it's a hell, one hell of a diverse schedule you got there. I love it. That is very diverse. The the yields, uh, the yield tank. I don't know if they're on the road. But yeah, you get Coco, Kokomo as well is another team that they get, and uh, yeah, you get the the eel. I think that um, they they don't play in the eel tank. I think they they okay. play at home at Attic. So, but that's a, well, that's a hell of a diverse the, uh, schedule. I believe that Kokomo game's the first game of the Hall of Fame. So it that is. should be that should be a really good game, and um, and and Brownsburg and uh, Brownstown are also in that. So. You know that that's always a highlight of the schedule as well. You know, right after uh, what is that, the thirtieth or twenty ninth uh, or thirtieth. So that that'll be a really good uh, tournament as always, and uh, you know that'll that'll kind of show what Attix has this year. I, I know I was texting with Chris Hawkins a little bit last night. They didn't shoot the ball uh, real well. Um, you know, from the three, that was their first game. North Central is a good team too. I had a chance to see them last last week against Brownsburg, and they, they could have easily won that game too. Uh, Poppy Rivera, who uh, you know, is Devonte Smith Rivera's younger brother, uh, he's a player to watch. I thought he looked a lot, lot uh, better uh, than he did a year ago. Looked a little bit better off the dribble. He can really shoot it, and uh, he had 16 last night when they beat Attics. So uh, that's a good team. That North Central team, I think, is only going to get better, um, and I think Attics will be really good too. So, like I said, those two teams and you know a lot of others right in that mix. But yeah, Attics will get it. That's a good opportunity for them you know, down the road in the Hall of Fame and, uh, you know, going against against Flory. But, you know, Attics has a kid named uh, Desmond Briscoe, who's a really good interior player as well, about six foot eight, and uh, has some big, as Iowa offer, I know, and, and several others. So uh, that'll be a good matchup in the in the Hall of Fame. So Kyle Nedrip of the Stars on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, high school basketball season for the boys. Uh underway officially now as it has been for the girls for a couple of weeks now we'll get to uh the finals in football coming up with you in just a minute so ben davis had the chance to you know football to basketball sweep again and then go back to back this season with that basketball team they have over on the west side you know that's a good question i would i would probably say you know at this point I think they've got the, I've, you know, once you bring Mark Zachary back to the fold, you know, that changes everything for them. And, and you know, not to say he's going to, 
he's probably not going to go out and score 25 points a game necessarily, but what he can do on the defensive end, you know, what he can do in transition. Uh, and, and also, man, he just, he seems to play in the biggest, he, he performs on the biggest stages, you know, when they have their biggest basketball games too, not just football, but uh, seems like he plays his best. So, you know, he's, he's a big time football prospect, a defensive back, and, you know, that's what he'll do in college, but, you know, he's going to be a big part of that Ben Davis team, on the basketball court, but you know, they, they do lose a lot. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, they lost Sheridan Sharp, their point guard to graduation. They lost uh, Zane Dowdy who, uh, you know, he's their big man inside who is at ball state now. Uh, so those are two huge pieces that they, that they lost. Um, but you do have guy, you know, in addition to Zachary KJ Windham, who's one of the best seniors in the state, uh, who's going to Northwestern. He can really fill it up uh, from three. And then he, you know, he's just a really good offensive player. And then Mark White, who uh, played on that team last year uh, for Ben Davis, played a key role is also back. And he's a, uh, you know, he's a really good player too. I know, I don't think he played his best game there than their opener, but he will, you know, he's, he's going to be a good piece for them uh, moving forward. So they do have, you know, no one's uh, doubting them. I don't think they just have some new pieces in, in different places and, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a different team and might take a while to gel. But I don't think, any, you know, the the uh, teams in their sectional aren't going to want to see them down the road. That'll be a tough team. And I would still think, you know, they'll be a tough team to beat in that sectional, probably the team to beat in that sectional. So, yeah, I, I do think they're on the, you know, on the short list of teams that can win it. You know, you just have some – yeah, you have some different pieces, and you know that sectional is probably a little tougher. You know, Decatur I think is going to be a good team. I think, uh, um, you know, Pike is is obviously with Jeff Teague. They're going to be different. You know, they're younger, but they've got they definitely do have some talent as well. Um, you know, Franklin Central, who I saw last night, I think they're going to be a, a handful. They gave Center Grove a really tough game last week, so you've got some good teams in there uh, with them. But I would still probably say Ben Davis win the sectional, and then who knows from there? You know, you, if you if you can get out of the sectional, uh, you got a you got another week to game plan and prepare and for the regional. So yeah, I, I still think they're right in that mix. It's uh, Kyle Nedenrip with us. I haven't been keeping track. I just know that um, he's not coaching right now. What's the latest with Don Carlisle with Ben Davis? Well, Corey Taylor, his assistant, has has taken over. On the uh, interim? Is that the entire year or until when? Uh, As I understand it, yes. He's going to coach this season. Okay. and I, you know, I've heard that there's still, you know, a possibility that Don could come back and coach. And I don't know, I don't know exactly where all that stands as of now, but I don't think it's a, you know, it's an imminent situation uh, as far as that goes. But, you know, Corey's been on the, you know, Corey was on the staff with Don last year and and previously. I think it'd been probably four or five years that he's been on the staff uh, at Ben Davis. So, you know, I kind of expected he would be the guy to do it. I head coaching aspirations and whether this turns into, you know, something permanent or, or Don comes back, I don't know that, you know, for, for a fact, you know, what's going to happen. I don't know if anybody does at this point, but, but yeah, that's, that's, you know, as, as the latest I know, that's kind of where that stands as of now. So you got Sicily and Benter, among others, in Southern Indiana. Could this be a year when the best player comes from Southern Indiana? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I think the Kokomo people might have a uh, argument uh, against that with uh, with Flory. But... <laughs> major, major <laughs> argument. Yes, <laughs> but other. If you take Flory out of the equation, I, yeah. I well, just... and you and you can't and you won't. But yeah, just uh, I, which one do you think is? I know Heritage Hills and Brownstown Central in this case with these 
these two guys. Who's who's better at this point right now in Southern Indiana with those two? Boy, um, that's a tough one. I, I would, you know, pro, oh, man, uh, I would say maybe Benter at this point, uh, just be, you know, maybe a more well-rounded, all-around player. But man, that's a, that's a tough one because Sisley's really good too. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they're in different classes, so I'm going to cop out and say, you yeah. know, because of that reason, they're they're uh, just a little bit different. It's, you know, Sisley's got another year behind him uh, to catch up, maybe. But man, Benter is just so. You know, Sicily's probably the college prospect that you would expect to be the better player moving forward, I would say, just based on his, his ability, his size, right. uh, everything like that. But, man, Benter, you know, I, I'm so impressed, not even his shooting, but, you know, just the way he can pass the ball. He sees things uh, really well as a, a distributor, too. I mean, that's so, you know, Sicily's probably a little quicker, I would say, a little bit more athletic uh, than Benter, but... Hey, Benner tore the rim down last year at Brownstown, so uh, so you, that that's a that's a uh, check mark in his uh, on his side wow. as well. But, I saw Sicily got took a hard foul against Perry Central last night. I don't know if you've seen that video. No, I didn't. That, see that. Uh, they're floating around. Yeah, he got uh, he got undercut fairly substantially right there, playing at Boy. PC. I think so. Yeah, that's not good. And he'll be up here as well uh, this weekend. Yep. They're playing in the uh, in the uh, Brown the Brownsburg uh, Santa for sneakers sneakers for Santa event against uh, I believe Evansville Christian. So and Evansville Christian's got a good player too, uh, Josiah Dunham. So that that could be a, an interesting game. But uh, but Benter, you know, I know man, it's a it's crazy. I went down to the Jennings County game last year down there, and they. They are in Jennings County had a really good team too, yeah. and there was a lot of Jennings County people there. But man, that was a phenomenal environment. If you want, if you want to go down, I don't even know if you. I think they sold. They, out they had a bunch. Of, they had a bunch of guards last year. Did they not on that team? Just really fast and quick, and they shoot yeah. a high volume of threes too, like most do now. But maybe, maybe even more so than most. Even more so, yeah. They were they're really fun to watch. Um, so they're yeah, that and they did graduate some guys from that team, but uh, they'll still be they'll still be fun to watch. I would I would assume Kent's still on that team, so he's only a junior. He'll be he'll be fun to watch uh, in, the, in the next couple of years. But Brownstown, they didn't lose hardly anybody, so they're they are absolutely loaded. And you know, like I said, they've sold out. I think all of their home games. So you're going to have to scalp a ticket down there i think to even get in the door but uh so that that'll be a fun um you know season for them and i'm hoping to get down there at least uh, once or twice to to a home game but uh, but they're they're very good i mean that, that even beyond better they're a really good team and uh probably right up there with anybody you know in any class in the state so we'll see what they do you know, the hall of fame will kind of tell us more about them and you know obviously the uh, challenges they have along the way but definitely a contender in 3A and they they beat Providence you know that game may have flown under the radar a little bit last week but uh, they played Providence last week in uh, a big 2A matchup and beat them and Providence is really good they're in the same sectional with them so uh, that's kind of a preview of probably what you'll see down the road in the sectional and uh, I think they play at uh, Southwestern Hanover down there in the sectional so uh, but yeah anyway better very very good player yeah. a lot of fun to watch but uh, Kyle Nenrip of the Stars with us. I had brought this up last week, and this is just me. I didn't think this was a great idea, especially you know springing it on people as late as as they did at the IHSAA and going 
you know, pay to watch pay-per-view streaming services as they did and having no TV. And I know there's probably a lot more that goes into it than I I know. I'm going to start right here. Do you happen to know how it went as far as viewership was concerned with the pay-per-view streaming service that they had going both Friday and Saturday for the football finals last week? I don't know specifically. I know, you know, obviously from word of word of mouth, uh, you know, from a PR standpoint, it, it probably didn't go. Uh, I'm sure they heard a lot because I heard a lot. You know, I heard a lot of people disappointed. And, you know, honestly, the, the common fan, you know, even though it's put out there a few weeks ago and, and this was going to be the case, you know, people don't, you know, a lot of people don't see that or know that. So you kind of tune in on Thanksgiving weekend, expecting it to be on just in the background or, you know, something to flip to and watch. Yeah. And it's not on. And and if you're the common fan, you're probably not, you know, seeking out to pay for it online necessarily. So, and I, and honestly, I think, you know, there's people within the IHSA who, who, you know, don't love that either. You know, it's not like it, it costs a lot to put on this production, I'll say. And I know, you know, people aren't going to be happy paying, you know, pay-per-view, but you have to pay for the production uh, as well. So I think that, you know, it's not like they're just, uh, you know, raking in the money, you know, from the pay-per-view, um, you know, aspect of it. They they do have to pay for the production of the putting on the, the, the show uh, as well. So, but I, I think ideally, you know, this thing gets back on TV. It's just that, it's just that, you know, over the air TV and, and statewide TV packages and all that has changed so much, uh, even in the last few years, you know, even in the last five years, probably those options aren't out there as much. So this is not the situation. I don't think that anybody really wanted, obviously you want it to be on TV. You want your product to be, you know, available out there. And did they have no they, choice or was it their, their choice to do what they did? No, from what I from what I've gathered and what I was told, you know, this was a Bally's situation where you know the, the the option just wasn't there to do this anymore. So you know, so that means moving forward, you're either gonna have, you're either gonna do it this way, like they did it this year, or you know, you find another uh, you know TV station or network to uh, to put it on for you. Um, so it was that the reason why it was late was because of that. Yeah. Yeah, because of the uh, the situation with Bally's is is the way it was it was told. So, um, but yeah, so I yeah that's that's why it, I think it came out what maybe a month ago. I'm yeah, exactly yeah, sure. it was it was surprising from that standpoint, and I, I guess it's a little bit surprising that they they couldn't find if they really wanted to find a television partner, they couldn't find one to dance with there. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, that's kind of what my thought was too. Um, so I, I think the hope is there that, that it does happen, you know, in the future and, you know, that, cause honestly the bottom line is you, you just don't have as many people watching or paying attention. If, if this is the way it's going to be, you know, it, it's a very, it becomes a very, um, you know, very specific to your own school type of situation rather than, you know, if you're a common fan now, you know, I don't know if I would just pay, pay money just to watch these games on, online all weekend i don't you know i don't know it's it's uh you know but if it, they were just on it's something to flip to and watch when you're when you're watching college football or doing something over the weekend so i don't know I, it's just you're not getting as many eyeballs on your on your product i would say that's 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 too bad. I mean, I hope it. I hope it does change in the future. Now, the Colts are they're a sponsor, obviously, of of uh, high school football and, and the state finals. So the the Pacers do the same in basketball. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And uh, they're actually 
you know, I, I think this is out there now, but they're sponsoring the uh, Mr. Football, the Colts are, and uh, yeah. in basketball, the Pacers are. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, they're they're definitely. I mean, honestly, that's their big part of being able to put these games on at these great locations. So, I think it's maybe something you take for granted a little bit too. But uh, but yeah, having these games at at those locations, that's definitely a, a great thing for for I'd say do and uh, high school football. Do you think that it would have been different had Obviously, if they don't have anywhere to go television-wise, then I don't know what you're going to be able to do. Um, I, it would seem to me that you would maybe have an option out there, but I don't know that for sure. But in turn, had they not charged, made it pay-per-view, would that been a better path the first time out? And again, given the situation where you can just place the blame on, on Bally, you have no spot to land on TV – but then once you put pay-per-view on there and you put it on a stream in that fashion, you know, immediately everybody's going to say, oh, you're just in it for the money. That's the reaction I got. I'm assuming that's the reaction you got. You think in hindsight they would have handled that differently or were production costs just so substantial where you, you had to do it that way? You had to have that resource. I was told this weekend that they were they were so high that they needed to do it this way, um, you know. But I agree with you, and, and that, honestly, that's your first reaction is, oh, it's it's a, you know, why not just for at least for a year because it used to be on there for free and you could watch them for free online. But again, you know, you know, you and I and everyone else probably don't completely understand how much it is to put on those events you know, from a financial standpoint. So, you know, taking them at their word that that's the case, I, I can understand, you know, why you would put it on pay-per-view. Uh, but from a PR standpoint, yeah, it it's probably doesn't look the best. And that was my first reaction, to be honest with you. But, uh, but you know, in fairness to them, you know, if, if you, 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 I'm sure it is a pretty substantial cost, and, and maybe this is a way to recoup some of that, you know, some of that money. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, you're not getting, you're not getting the eyeballs on it that you would, um, you know, and honestly it's stuff that we, you know, as, as media entities, you, you like, what do you have people pay for? What do you allow for free? What, you know, so I I think everybody's sort of dealing with that to be in in fairness, you know, so, um, it's gotta be easy, man. I mean, it's gotta be easy too. And I, I don't know how easy, that was going to be. I, I mean, I, I sit here right now, Kyle, and I have no idea. But like, I would think something like Wish TV. Could you not get a partnership with Wish TV Channel Eight? Or you know, I talk to Greg, Greg Rakestraw, all the time. I mean, three, four times a week. You know, he does such a great job with ISC Network. I mean, just anything that makes it easier than it obviously turned out to be. But you know, if they were put in that situation and had no alternative. But to do that, then I guess that's what you have to do. I just don't know. It seems like they took more of a bad PR hit because of the pay-per-view than than ultimately would have been blaming it on. It would have been, to me, very easy to blame it on Bally because everything Pacer-wise has been blamed on Bally. But instead, I think they kind of take the hit because of this paper or pay-per-view thing. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. I, I definitely was a PR hit, and it definitely – you know, there were so many people I heard from this weekend who, who didn't know, you know, who just, uh, and again, it's, it's yeah. you know, it was out there. It just wasn't, you know, once it becomes like, oh, yeah, I forgot the games are on this weekend. I'll go check them out. And then they're not on. And it's like, oh, I got to pay 20 bucks to uh, to watch the whole weekend. I mean, and, and it, you know, so, you, so that's where the frustration lies. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's what you're referring to, obviously. Yep. So, you know, it's just. 
if it moves forward this way, you know, eventually, you know, people will probably get used to it and it'll kind of be one of those things. Well, yep. you know, that's what you got to do to watch it. But, uh, but hopefully it's not, I mean, like I said, the, the ultimate loser is just the common fan who wants to watch Indiana high school football. Hey man, I appreciate you as always answering these questions, getting everybody set for a little basketball around here. Recap, we didn't really do it football-wise, but I think everybody should know what took place by now, and certainly those confused about the coverage of it. Thanks for uh, adding that light to it. I appreciate you more than you know. We'll do it again soon, Kyle. Anytime. Thanks, John. Mandy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline for the morning show. It is the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. The KB portion of it is Kevin Bowen, and he joins us now. So more like two to three or longer than three here. And uh, how sustainable do the Colts' chances of making the postseason look now that 28 is going to be out of the picture, at least coming up in Nashville on Sunday? Yeah, we had Will Carroll on earlier today, John, and he, I just feel like medically he's just much more educated, frankly, than I am about these sorts of topics and actually has talked to Stephen Shin, the doctor that is doing, or I don't know, at this point in the day, it's probably already been done, the thumb surgery on Taylor. And he seemed to be like two to three weeks to him sounded a little bit more aggressive um, than that. Obviously, so much of it is like an unknown in that, this, frankly, is just going to come down to, all right, what is your strength level like in that right hand? Do you feel like you can, you know, tote it and have proper ball security and engage in pass protection, et cetera, et cetera? Um, it's kind of weird how the schedule's laid out, John. The Of the six games left, they're all important. Duh, that's the obvious statement. But if there is the least important of the six, again, they're all important, of course, is that fourth game, honestly, against Atlanta, uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh here coming up games two and three. If you want to continue down this Taylor timeline, those are also very important as well. So I, I don't know. I mean, there's an element of me like, yeah, can't you wrap it up and just, you know, play a little bit sooner than no, later? I, I got, I got a ton of that. I'm assuming you probably did as well, right? And when the dude plays multiple quarters with yeah. it, obviously I, I understand where people come from with that, but you know, at the same time, one fumble he has, and obviously people are going to revolt saying that he never should be on the field, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I, I think it, it's still up in the air. Um, injured reserve would obviously be a big indication, but Shane Steichen said that that's not being discussed right now. So uh, they obviously are open-minded to him returning sometime in this four-week window. Uh, but, you know, certainly you're, you're, you're losing one of your top playmakers. It'd be naive, even if running back is as replaceable as a position out there, it'd be naive to just call Jonathan Taylor another running back. And really, he's their only playmaker. I mean, their 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 biggest threat. And I shouldn't say only because I'm Michael Pittman Jr. catches footballs and such. But I mean, legitimately, if a defense is going to line up and say, you know what, we can't let this guy get loose, uh, it is going to be 28. Yeah, without question. I mean, you just watched the game on Sunday. I mean, if there was so many, uh, I think there were several plays where it was blocked to a certain expectation, and then Taylor took it to another level. Um, I, I thought it was the best game he's had in 2023. I just feel like you watch, you know, a couple of moments where he kind of squirts out of something that, you know, looked like there was nothing there. Um, again, he's got the speed and the power. I still don't think they've utilized him enough in the past game here as of late. Didn't have a catch on, on, on Sunday. I mean, that's an element that you miss a little bit more of 
Uh, you know, you saw it in his first game, ironically enough, against the Titans back uh, in that first matchup. That was his first game of the year. You know, he got in the open field there. Again, he just looks different. So, um, sure, you've had. I mean, Colts fans have, have seen it. You know, Jonathan Williams of the world is a 100-yard rusher, but still, on a week-in, week-out basis, the ability to game break, the ability to hit some home runs, um, Taylor's one of the rare ones in the league. Before this past summer, would you have thought that Jonathan Taylor would have waited on surgery until after the season, and especially considering where the, the Colts are now, played through it without a surgery? Again, prior to what um, you – prior to what – I guess we went through in the summertime because there are a lot of factors that I'm kind of pointing at right now. And this is just kind of throwing darts at a dartboard. And certainly one would be his, his representation. You know, you, you err on the side of caution more than anything else. However, I think he was a guy that certainly kept heavy track of his health in all stages, right? Even before this past summer. Yeah. I, I honestly was first kind of not caught off guard, but, I think back to last fall when Taylor was dealing with the nagging ankle injury and him just talking about the injury, I would walk away from those scrums and be like, man, that dude just, it, it sounded awkward. It sounded lack of confidence. It sounded like a guy that, you know, he's very hesitant about it. And, you know, when Taylor was talking to us about it back then, that was the first injury of his football career, really the first notable injury of his football career, high school, Wisconsin, you know, first couple seasons in the NFL. So, you know, part of me is like, well, I mean, he's never really been through this. So this is kind of new to him. And then there are several weeks last season where, you know, amidst such a horrible year, you know, all of a sudden late in the week, he just didn't continue to progress. You know, usually you see a guy, whatever, not practicing Wednesday, limited Thursday, full Friday, and then boom, he's ready to go for Sunday. Taylor would have some sort of hurdle in there to where he wouldn't go on kind of that linear path of how injured guys, you know, work through the week. Um I also think it's fair to point out in this situation, even if Taylor said to the Colts right now, hey, I want to, you know, pat it up, wrap it up, and let's go. I mean, if you have ball security concerns and he's got a big old club out there and it becomes pretty obvious early in the game, you know, he's not in there to pass protect whatsoever. Um, I mean, you are tipping your hand and you are risking injury. I mean, Taylor's had some big fumbles in his career I mean, so I, I do think there is an element of that, too, of, yeah, we all want tough guy and we all want macho man and, you know, this guy played through this and that. But, you know, when you are risking turnovers and things like that, all it takes is one. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're just undressing Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard for running Jonathan Taylor out there. So um, I, I could probably see it in a couple different ways. Yeah, and I, I also get the stuff that I was getting that was questioning that. Oftentimes, I think they're looking at it from a viewpoint of, you know, this summer, you know, who became the villain, and that was his representation. And the villain, uh, according to the fans, a lot of the fans around here also reps Shaquille Leonard. We know what happened to Shaquille Leonard here last week, so there's just a lot of conspiracy theorists kind of doing their thing. I think right now. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I, I get it all. Um, but at the same time, I didn't think there's an element of the Colts feel like, you know, he'd be a liability to the team right now or could be uh, if he were out there and, and got hit on that hand. So didn't seem like a liability late in that it. game, though. That, the second half, it didn't <laughs> seem like, didn't occur to me that there was any uh, liability concerns there. 
No, I, I guess to steal a phrase from Baker Mayfield after the game, you know, adrenaline's a hell of a drug. I mean, you know, Baker, I don't think we'll be doing too, too much this week with that ankle, and who knows if he's going to play. But when these guys get in those moments, they're able to, you know, gut it out. And if all of a sudden you were going to risk further injury now and you realize you're going to have to pad it up and it's going to look a little different than what it looked like in the second half. And, and you know, we – we played the clip earlier today. I didn't notice it too much going back and watching the TV copy. And we sit you know, so high at Lucas Oil that it's tough to realize during games. But I mean, Larry Overton had the report right before the start of the um, first drive of the second quarter that Taylor had gotten his right hand heavily taped and wrapped. And, you know, if you remember that second quarter, he only carried it one time. Now, again, I go back and watch it, and I'm like, Boy, I don't notice much difference in the left hand versus the right hand the rest of the game. And obviously, he still ran it damn effectively in the second half. Zach Boss said that, you know, Taylor mentioned something to him at halftime about the injury there. So, again, in game, you know, is there an adrenaline element that, and maybe you just don't get hit on that, you know, hand or that thumb to the point where you can re injure it? And, you know, who knows how one hit would, uh, would react to it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's funny. I remember going back in that second quarter. People kept asking me why um, why Taylor wasn't out there, and you know, I, I saw him, you know, go to the bench, and then I saw him standing on the sideline. And I just, you know, considered this was Shane, you know, don't doing his Shane thing at the time. He was throwing the football around when clearly he shouldn't have been throwing the football around at that moment with Gardner Minshew. So I was just thinking it was that. Um, I didn't even think anything about a possible injury. And obviously, I wasn't listening to the broadcast and Lara Overton, you know, kind of, and rightly so, if you're doing that sideline thing. And that was awesome that she pointed that out because I honestly, I didn't know. And you're right, we sit up, you know, what, six stories high. It's tough to notice. I didn't notice anything at all out of the ordinary. Well, he also had his helmet on. I mean, yeah. that, that's what, I mean that, that usually is like a true indicator of the medical staff will take away your helmet if there's a question of you going back in the game. So, um, you know, when Moss goes out there to start that third series, I don't think much of it. You know, Chris Bauer had said we, we want to play Zach Moss a little bit more than we played him with that one carry in Germany. Um, so I just assumed that was Moss's series. And then as the second quarter kind of – you know, went along, then I'm, you know, got the binoculars out looking down there. Okay, there he is. Taylor's helmet on right next to DeAndre Smith, looking like he could go in at at any point. So I, I don't know. Maybe there was something in the second quarter. There was no injury announcement. If Shane didn't say anything after the game, he said today that Monday evening is kind of when they, you know, found out that whatever had gotten worse or uh, to the point where he was going to need to have surgery, multiple opinions, going to miss time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah. Does that make you feel different about this stretch run in December with him missing some time here, no matter how long yeah. that it is? Because I, I do, I kind of feel the same, the same way, even with the, the softness of what we eyeball the schedule to be, the lack of quarterback play whatsoever that they're going to face. And even with Tennessee, Kev, on Sunday, uh, they're four and seven, but they have one loss at home. And this is still a, a, a Colts team where you can't bank on really anything game to game. Well, no. and I mean, let's just look at the last two games, John. Um, both one-possession wins. I mean, it's not like you've ran away from New England or Tampa Bay. And, and let's focus on the New England game. One touchdown is scored in that game. Who has the one touchdown? Taylor. And it's on a fourth and goal. And if we go back and remember that game on the opening drive, that was a hell of an effort by Taylor on the fourth and goal. That was not like a blocked 
walk-in touchdown. I mean, you could, and again, maybe this is me discrediting Zach Moss too too much, but you can make the argument Zach Moss maybe doesn't score on that sort of play. It was kind of a perimeter, you know, play where you really got to give the edge and Taylor had great balance. Kylan Granson had a great effort. And if you only, well, I guess that was fourth down, so you would have been shut out there. But, you know, in a one possession, 10 to whatever the final score was, 10 to six game, uh, obviously that was a huge, huge play. So, again, it would be discrediting Taylor to all of a sudden, you know, act like his absence means nothing. Now, Zach Moss has been very effective this season, and I still think the schedule is super, super manageable. But I do think um, it could it could potentially be the difference in, you know, a settling for a field goal, a scoring a touchdown this drive, and considering where this team is at right now, even though the competition is what it is on paper, I, I still expect them to be in tons of one-possession games here the rest of the season. So Kevin Bowen, the morning show is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, so who do you think is going to be the next coach at IU? I had been asked that, I, I guess, Tom Herman, um, the coach down at, at Florida Atlantic FAU with my friend um, Dusty May being down there. Um, that was my guess. It's not like anybody really jumps off the page to me whatsoever, and I've talked about that for the past couple of days, but who and you, uh, you and Sweebo believe will end up being the next head coach in Bloomington? Yeah, someone was, I was actually just talking to someone like 20, 30 minutes ago saying that um, Kurt Signetti, I, I think I'm saying that last Yeah, from right? James uh, Madison. Yeah, he flew to Indy today and met with Dolson for a couple hours. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, Paul Chris's name been thrown around there. Mike Hart's been thrown around there. Um, yeah, Tom Herb. I mean, honestly, of, of the names that, like, I've heard, I mean, those are the one. I mean, Herbin, to me, honestly, is probably the most intriguing of those. Um, I think you need to get pretty outside the box with it in the sense of, you know, try and find someone that would bring some energy, bring some juice to your program. I mean, you look at the James Madison coach in Signetti, clearly they've won. He's won in his prior stops, but you know, this is a, isn't a guy that's coached at, you know, even mid-major college football um, for the last decade. And, yeah, he's got some recruiting history, but, you know, the recruiting world's changed a whole lot since, you know, he was – I think he was the recruiting coordinator for Alabama under Saban at one point – back in the early years and then NC State as well. I, I, I Paul Chris to me just is such a mad hire. I, I just maybe Wisconsin is such a boring stereotype and how they played football that that's what stands out. But you know, you just hear about the reluctance and, you know, whatever, NIL and fully embracing what college football's turned into. Um, I mean you need someone beyond open minded to that nature of it all. Uh, because that's that's the only way I think you're going to be able to compete. So to me, a little bit more of the, you know, again, and I know it's not a realistic one, but I threw out Antoine Randall um, and, you know, even a Mike Harder or Justin Fry, given that they've been in Bloomington before, they kind of understand where they're at, and they've also been at some elite-level Big Ten programs. So they get that as that, that too. I understand Indiana probably has meant to go down the route of a major assistant or a coordinator because you oftentimes make a 180 from your previous hire. And I think some people in the IU administration probably view that, you know, Tom Allen had some mistakes in his previous head coaching, you know, stop at Ben Davis High School before taking over at Indiana there. So I don't know. If you're going to make me pick from that list, I guess just because someone just told me that they met with the uh, James Madison dude, I might go with him. But 
honestly, I could uh, I could probably get behind Tom Herman out of all those names. Seems like you're going to need somebody that is able to retrieve those that are in the transfer portal and then bring in those also in the transfer portal. And with that in mind, I would suggest Scott Dolson maybe quicken the pace on this hire, right? Is that suggested to this point? Yeah, I mean, it seemed like, you know, we had Zach Osman on earlier in the week, and he's been pretty consistent with, like, by the end of the week, something would get done. I mean, I. But you have I, to. I, I, you absolutely have to. You got to. I mean, yeah. you got to have both those factors in. I mean, we're talking about, we're, we're thinking about it in terms of X's and O's. I'm just thinking about it in terms of bodies. And then, then I thought what Tom Allen said in. You know, in a close about NIL and praying that they embrace it. These are my words, not exactly his, but that's what he was pointing to. Um, that's problematic to say the least right there. If it has not been already built and embraced in a fashion in which it should be, uh, that is something that they better get and get up to speed rather quickly. Yeah, and I think the portal like officially begins Monday. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I think that's when undergrads can throw their name in there as well. And I, you know, I remember when they hired Kevin Wilson. I was, I was at IU as a student then, and you know, you, there's part of an element of like you want to get these this dude in front of your fan base, and obviously in front of recruits and in front of a staff, and and you know, on the road as quick as possible. I mean, Indiana's got. I mean, what that home game's at what seven o'clock Friday night against Maryland. I mean, to me, you know, that would be the perfect time to throw him out there. Uh, you know, did you set him up in that dorm room? Then, and then, did you set him up in that dorm room? <laughs> I, I, I can't say I was the McNutt RA that I think Kevin Wilson had an issue with the air conditioner or something. You know, did they not read the allergy form that he was allowed to have an air conditioner in his dorm room there? Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's funny too because um, there are a lot of moments like my friend Clayton Anderson would hang out with him and. And uh, yeah, Kevin Sumlin was a part of that group occasionally during the summers, and I heard some hellaciously awesome stories. I, I would have loved to have been asked to be a part of that group <laughs> because well, I, because they I didn't have, leave much uh, on the table. I ran into Kevin Sumlin at Carb Day one year, and <laughs> boy, um, <laughs> I'd love to tag along with you, John, if you ever get the Kevin Wilson, uh, uh, Kevin Sumlin invite to anything from a party standpoint. Well. I think the story was that this was a couple. This may be when you saw him at Carb Day because they were all at Carb Day together. And Clayton brought them over to me where I was, and we were all talking. And evidently, the night before, maybe this was race day. I, I take that back. This was race day. And they brought them all over, and we were all talking. And evidently, <laughs> evidently, they were somewhere down in southwestern Indiana on some lake, and someone had lost his keys in the lake or something. So there were some great <laughs> stories going on. So it, it sounded like a hell of a party. I missed it. So yeah, I, let's just say, like everyone at Carb Day, to be totally fair. Kevin Sumlin looked like he was enjoying himself. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, so we'll see. I, I just, you know what? There's going to be so much more than just the the X's and the O's here. And it's going to be, and, and to me, I was talking to a booster down there earlier this week and um, you know it was basically explained to me that hey uh, the NIL portion of this is on the way to becoming much more important than how much you pay your coach especially for teams you know that aren't the Alabamas or the Georgias or the Ohio States or the Michigans and things of that nature and uh, it it was a a bleak portrait to say the least especially if you're kind of like us and you really dug the way that it used to be it is very unfamiliar territory for us Kev 
Yeah, it, and it's it's reality, and that's mm, why I yes. think the Randall Elf thing to me is intriguing. Um, and I understand the lack of coaching experience for those unfamiliar. Um, it's what a handful of years maybe in the NFL. He's currently with Dan Campbell's staff as the wideouts coach in Detroit. But who's the next generation of donors? Who's the next generation of NIL money? Those are people that watch Randall L. And whether that all of a sudden means they're going to open up their pockets or not, sure, you're going to have to have a winning product. But the initial introduction, the initial, oh, wow, that's who we hired? Oh, yeah, I would love to go to an event and meet him and hear about his days playing and what he loved about Bloomington. That matters to people. People want to feel that connection. And so when you've got a college football staff, we all watch these games. There's 7,000 people on a college football sideline. You can hire a staff, and, you know, it's endless how long the game program needs to be for all those people. Those are the people that I think can help you manage things. You know, certainly, okay, portal here and, and NIL here and obviously offensive coordinator here and defensive coordinator here. But so much of college football, your coach is your brand. Your 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 coach is everything. It's not Clemson. It's Dabo Sweeney. Like it, it, it's that to me is what is so unique about college football, right or wrong. And especially in the day and age of NIL and the portal and this and that, um, I think having a brand as a coach more than anything. You know, Bill Belichick ain't surviving in college football. Um, you you need somebody that's going to wine and dine the boosters and put on the smile and kiss the babies. And I mean, we all watched the Texas A&M press conference earlier this week. That thing was a laughing stock. Mike Elko is dancing up there. And having to, but like, that's what you've got to do. There's an element of that that you have to do if you want the resources around you to succeed at a really, really high level. And so that's where I think something outside of the box to get you out of being the laughing stock, the dormant program, everyone to describe it. Um, to me, it's necessary to try and awaken something down there. I just think if you go run of the mill, James Madison, this Mac football coach, this is, you just kind of get lost in the shuffle there and you aren't in that spotlight that obviously you haven't been in for years. This all though, if you want to get right down to it and no disrespect that I'm offering up here at all or no shade as they say now, but this all seems pretty run of the mill. It, it just does. And, and I know the, the portrait in which you are painting right now, I just don't think is ever going to be an IU reality. I, you know, you just want to bring somebody in that's going to win a couple of games, going to be able to beat, you know, middling teams in the Big Ten. And then, you know, you can worry about further down the road whether or not this person, you know, feels that Bloomington is the spot because this is what they they build and they embrace it. So I, yeah. it, it is just, it is an incredibly difficult situation and it has been for how many decades now, basically everyone. And it's going to continue to be that way. So you just, you want to make sure this hire that you make, it does end up giving you what you want all the way around. And then ultimately with NIL, I mean, you've you've got to address that. I hate it. I mean, I'm not a fan of it at all, uh, just because I'm an old crusty fart. But you know, that's where you are. And as I said yesterday, if if you're in the pool and that's where they are in that pool, you're going to have to start swimming. So that's the way that it is. Well, but, and, and I know this might sound dumb to say at a basketball school like Indiana, but in my opinion, this is the most important hire that athletic department. You, you could say has will and has ever made. I, you know, I don't know, probably Bob Knight. Hindsight's twenty twenty. looking back on it. But with how the college landscape has changed and what a football program means to a university, and particularly 
and athletic program, how the Big Ten has changed. Uh, no one cares about tradition anymore and maintaining conference integrity and the shape of a conference. There's going to come a time very, very soon. It might be, you know, whatever, in the next couple of years where we're going to get to the super conference. And it's not going to be regions and ge- geographics and the bucket game means this and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It could very quickly turn into, you know, are you good or competent at football or not? And if you're not, you're not going to have a seat at the table. Yeah. And the trickle-down effect to, you know, everybody in your athletic department is going to matter. So this is just such a massive massive hire for Scott Dolston and Pam Wooden. All right. One more quick thing. I just absolutely ripped the Pacers. I, Monday night was absolutely inexcusable. And that home loss to a four-win team. Or check that. Two, no, Monday night. I'm sorry. Yeah. Coming off a back-to-back. The second of a back-to-back. Lost a 25-point lead. Lost to Milwaukee the night before. Then you lose and you're so listless from start to finish basically in that game. And I know they're 9-7 and seven and everybody says, oh, JMV, you're panicking. Don't panic. That was a schedule in which you had to take advantage. And they have, count them, four games that are egregious losses that at some point they have to make up for. So that's not good, and I thought that the peak of that not being good was Monday night. Yeah, and, and I think we're going to look in March and April, John. We'll have a conversation and think, remember in November. I mean, six and five in that home stretch. And, you know, you obviously have had a lot of games at home, but, John, like the injury bug hasn't hit them. You know, it, it, it's hit some teams already, and inevitably you're going to have a sprained ankle for Tyree Halliburton missing a week or two. And you obviously haven't had that really to any of your key, key guys. I mean, Neesmith Smith here or there, and Halliburton missed one, but that's really it. So I think that kind of adds to the disappointment. And if you look at December, I mean, December is loaded. I mean, there's a chance that outside of Monday, which is the home, you know, in-season tournament game against Boston, uh, the best team in the Eastern Conference, arguably the best team in the NBA, that might be your only home game you play until December 18th. I mean, that's a long time you're going to spend potentially away from Gamebridge Fieldhouse and the one home game being, you know, one of the best teams in the league that beat you by, you know, 50 earlier in the year. So, to me, we talk so much about um, the makeup of this team, how we enjoy watching them play, and, like, they just – I, I, I think where the disappointment lies is when Rick Carlisle said to us on Tuesday, like, you know, we don't feel like the compete level has been consistent. And that should be such a non-starter for me, especially when you're not – I mean, we don't look at this team as a bunch of egomaniac, you know, this dude is filled with drama, that dude's filled with drama, and they're just kind of a misfit of guys put together. I think that's what's disappointing, especially because it's not like they played great the previous time out. Friday night against Detroit, that was a pretty darn competitive game until the final five minutes, and you ran away from them. And you like to think, you know, that would kind of stir a little bit in you for the next couple of nights until you get back on the floor at home on that Monday nighter against the Trailblazers. For what it's worth, it's one of your former players on the other team. Like, you know, all of that, you know, there should be kind of enough self-energy, if you will, uh, to be there. And obviously it was lethargic, it was sloppy, it was – yeah, yeah, it was just really disappointing. I mean, th- guys throwing balls out of bounds, turnover-filled day. I get some missed shots. I get they can't guard a lot of people. But just the inability to even run anything of consistent offense as well with just tons of turnovers, no matter who was in the game, 
really stood out. So I do think, you know, it's it's nine and seven, but they kind of played with a little bit of fire here early in the season and it put some pressure now on them moving forward to win some games that, you know, we probably didn't maybe expect them to win, particularly away from home. Yeah. I I that was and just ripped yesterday because I thought I thought Monday night was a joke. I really did. Uh, it was ridiculous to watch. And everybody besides Halliburton probably belongs in that category. I mean, it, it's not like you sit here and say, you know, I, I, know, I know. I thought, Mi- I thought Miles was there, horrible. But-, but for a game in which Miles should absolutely be as keyed up as possible uh, against a guy that they actually signed to an offer sheet and brought in to presumably replace him a year and a half ago, and with that response was highly disappointed. I was disappointed at 33, big time. Big, big yeah. time. That's a great point. I, I I didn't even think about that that angle to the game as well. But yeah, I mean everybody. I mean everybody besides Halliburton falls into that category in my mind from from Monday. All right, buddy. What you guys got going on tomorrow? We have got. We actually have a dude from the NBA joining us tomorrow. A dude from the of, NBA. Yeah, Evan Wash is his name. He was one of the creators of the in season tournament. I'm sure you are in the same boat. We get a lot of people confused about the in season tournament. So we're hoping that Evan can provide some clarity on some of the questions that are out there on it. So looking forward to that conversation. Figured, you know, Pacers are hosting a quarterfinal game in it. Yeah, they get to play a a team that beat them by about 55 points last time out. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Revenge on their minds against uh, against the Celtics. There's another one, too, that I'm going to gauge. If they come out there as listless and as crappy against Boston after taking that beating and Boston's on the sideline laughing and giggling and having a good time, then we know what we're dealing with at this point, don't we? Well, and, and I do mean in the all seriousness, John. Uh, I threw this data at yeah. Swebo earlier today, April nineteenth, twenty nineteen. That's the last time this team has played a home playoff game. Monday, from a regular season standpoint, will probably be the closest environment they've had since then. Embrace it, match your fans' energy, show some heart, show some fight, and see what happens. All right, James is crapping his pants, kind of like Swebo does when there's a morning bar of soap in front of him because he's wearing a hat every day <laughs> and he's not washing. <laughs> just go to a break before he texts me and asks me. Oh, he knows that we just joke, right? We kid because we I, care. He doesn't I take know. it seriously, right? Tell, well, tell him yeah, not to be afraid not. of that bar of soap. Yeah, I mean, he, he knows you're, you're you're Southern Indiana too. Although you would label you're not that that Southern Indiana. I wouldn't. I, I probably wouldn't be washing either if I had to crack it. Well, I do actually. I do wash. So yeah, five in the morning. <laughs> so come on, Sweebo, get with it. All right, buddy, we'll be listening. See you, John.